You know when you're out with your friends and they all order beer and then you look insane when you don't want any beer? I mean, no offense to any of my friends out there, but I'm not a crazy obsessed beer drinker. I mean, once in a while, but I don't really love it. But I did recently try Bud Light Seltzer. It's not beer. It's a hard seltzer from Bud Light. Finally, there's something I can drink when everyone else is having a beer. Bud Light Seltzer's 5% alcohol, 100 calories, and it comes in four flavors. There's strawberry, lemon lime, mango, and my go-to black cherry. They're all super refreshing and perfect when I want something with a little more kick than just sparkling water. You know what I'm saying? Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Welcome to the Jillian Michaels and Janice show. Yeah, I like that now. You've come up in the world. Yeah, because it used to be just, and I think the last time when Bob was here, it was just, and Janice is you here. You were always kind of an afterthought, but now I've accepted that I've you're... I've accepted uh, you. You know, you're, you're a fixture. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. Um, and, and with that said, I've been doing a little listening to the shows. We've got to work on my vernacular here. I, the next time I say, you know... I need you to run over and punch me in the arm as hard as you can. I haven't noticed anything wrong. Oh my with gosh, it's terrible. It, it, and, and I do this one too. It's like, and you know. So the next time you hear, you know, it's like, I need you to run over and suck me as hard as you can. Either that or I'm going to have to walk around with that rubber band on my wrist and start snapping. No, no, it. no, don't do that. I'm going to do it. No, because I'm going to do it. People will think, you'll, they'll think you're abused. Okay. I was. Oh. No. Come on. You didn't fall for that. Look, look at my little head. Oh, I'm oh no. Oh no. What a way to start the show. Abused. I was. <laughs> I don't not that, Every that, day. not that that trick is any, you know what anyway. Yeah. Okay, so you have your marching orders. All right. I need you, you to fly across the studio and suck me in the arm as hard as you can. When I when you say you know. You know? Yeah. Or it's like. It's like. Yeah. That's just know. terrible. What a horrible, what a horrible habit I that is. I think you got to loosen the bone on that, Wilma. No, just be I'm telling you, I sound like a moron. Yeah. Do you really want to keep all this in the show, this particular show now? I'm, I'm, I think it's okay to be honest with people that I'm, I'm, I'm working on myself here. Oh, no, that's a good thing. Okay, good. You got to, here, here's the thing. You, you, you have to constantly look at the work you're doing and reevaluate even though it's difficult and uncomfortable and, and painful at times to appreciate that there are uh, shortcomings, that's how we get better. So I'm, I'm willing to, 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 to give my ego uh, a breath, so to speak, and, and create room for improvement. All well and said. However, yeah. you don't want to rob yourself of who you are. If who you are is it's like or you know... You can't, you can't take, you know, you can't, mm. you can't evolve so much to perfection oh. that you become um, un- unauthentic. Oh. You're a very authentic person the way I you see. are. Okay. Okay, I've been taking a couple of counseling courses. And, okay? I, and I appreciate that, but yeah. but let's not confuse authenticity with um, being uh, illiterate. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So oh I, I feel God. like I sound slightly. Oh my God. You know, you 
I'm just saying. I sound I sound a little when we do these. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. But Fine. I, and I'm ready to hurt you at any moment. Good. Thank All right. you. All right. Maybe we should just get you like, an, like a, a cattle prod. <laughs> Zap. <laughs> that will stop. It'll be like Clockwork Orange. It's like, where? Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. I'm actually going to start about uh, talking about fitness today. Cool. And here's here's what's kind of annoying. All these people are running around barefoot, literally. They're doing their workouts barefoot or they're wearing the little sock the sock with the finger toe things. Yep. Bad idea, guys. This is a bad idea. It's a trend. And the problem with these kinds of trends is that people can get hurt. I'm fine with it if, you know, the workout of the moment is a Zumba class or people are into bar method or, or a certain modality or type of exercise that's become hip and trendy, whatever it takes to get people in the gym moving their butts. But when you're working out without shoes on, it's just a bad idea. And the logic is uh, they'll, they'll come and they'll tell you. You know, we weren't meant to wear shoes. This is actually bad for us. It, it de-evolves uh, us as a species, and the muscles in our feet can't can strengthen properly. That is a crock of garbage, because it would be one thing if we grew up barefoot running around the streets. You know, then, of course, we would have adapted from being a small child to have calluses on our feet, the tendons on our feet, the bones on our feet, the muscles on our feet would have adapted to being barefoot. And, you know, running, jumping, running through the streets, it would be a completely different story. But when you've gone 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years of your life wearing shoes, and suddenly you're like, this is a great idea. I'm going to run barefoot on the beach and do my workouts in the gym and my little finger toes sucks. No. No, no, no. You're going to get plantar fasciitis, which is a form of tendonitis. Oh, you could get Achilles tendonitis. You could get bone spurs. All kinds of bad things can happen because your body has not adapted to exercise in that fashion. And in addition, it's not just your feet you need to worry about. You need to worry about your knees. You need to worry about your hips. You need to worry about your back. Proper shoes are critical, critical, especially when you're going to be exercising intensely. Even more importantly, because you need that support, not just for your feet, but for your entire anatomy. How, how's that? Oh, uh, you could hurt your bits. Y- what? You could hurt, damage your bits, your your bitties. What's a bitty? Well, you know, the, 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 the bits that, that, you know, are um, sexual bits. You can hurt those. <laughs> Without wearing shoes? What are you talking about? Because the pounding. If you don't have absorption, your bits get hurt. You know, I'm going to stand over here. What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about right now. You were saying, you just said that... I said my genitals were going to get hurt? (laughs) I believe that's the interpretation I got from it. Chris said knees, hips, and back. Oh, I thought you were talking about other parts. But I think think my point is... I think you have lost your mind today. No, I've got... You have lost it. No, I'm just saying. And another thing. It's like saying, you know, I'm going to run without a sports bra because, you know. But what I'm does that have to, to do with shoes? I, you're saying that. If we could talk our, about a sports bra. Our bodies are In not. In fact, even... I know we have before. We've done very important segments on sports bras and proper support in that area. But I'm talking about shoes. Yes, I'm adding to the conversation, I thought. You really need to get laid. <laughs> because I don't know how you took a conversation about shoes 
and turned it into private parts. I'm just saying that you made a very good point. I'm going to compliment you here. It's coming, so watch out for it. Okay. That our bodies, you're yeah. absolutely are not evolved. I always remember when, now this is way before your time, so oh. God help you. Oh. But Zola Bud was a runner in the Olympics way back when. And she was from South Africa. And okay. she came out in the Olympics and she was running her bare feet. And people were like, <gasps> but she grew up in South Africa, so her body... Her body was, you know, Ad- yeah, adapted. adapted. Exactly. I still don't know. I love the way you brought that around from the from the nudity thing. But I, I, <laughs> I think uh, when I went, when I was in Peru, um, there were these little kids. Uh, three, four, running around in the streets, no shoes. Same thing in Africa. They run around, no shoes. From childhood, from birth, again, totally different. When you've grown up, the body adapts appropriately. It's called systematic adaptation response. And what that means is when you constantly uh, apply a certain stimulus to the body, body, whether it's running without shoes or, or uh, you know, hard labor where your hands blister and then they turn into calluses, whatever it might be, the body will adapt. But when you haven't been doing that your entire life and then suddenly you like the little sock shoes and you mm. think it's neato, you're going to get hurt. So I'm going to say, you know what? Suck it up. Invest in a pair of decent kicks. Very, very important. Um, and one of the things I suggest is because there's always been a lot of question about what type of shoe, you know, do you pronate when you when you run? Do you supinate? Uh, all, all various uh, individual unique traits of, of our, our running, our working out, our, our body type. Go to a store like a front runners mm. and have them check your gait. And tell you this is the right shoe for you because it actually makes a real big difference. I notice a huge difference. The type of shoe, not even necessarily the brand, obviously. What now? Sorry. Check your gait. I just sorry, I just saw you as a as a horse. But that's okay. I just a visual in my head of you. you but no, please continue. I can't get through a segment today. No, Do you see this? And I'm trying to She's Equus. <laughs> because I, because I'm trying it's like, Hi, my name's Jillian Michaels. I'm here to get my gait check. What is happening, Bruce? I have no idea. Bruce! Paul. Paul. <laughs> Who is Bruce? I don't know. the guy in the ELO song. Who's our other guy? That was our other engineer guy. I'm sorry, Paul. That wasn't Bruce. Oh, dear God. Bruce <laughs> We're going to need to... That old parrot's going to have to go. All right. Back to the... Segment. I'm sorry, just I, I I I won't look at you now for the rest of this segment. But you said go to front runners and check your gate. Okay, and I'm gonna turn around now. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> go to the athletic store, yeah. apparel store. Depending upon the brand of shoe you wear, right? They will have different models and style types that can be individualized for the gait <laughs> that you have. Whether you supinate or whether you pronate, yeah. but wear good shoes. And apparently a sports bra. My God. All right. Another thing that I wanted to talk about, which is, has, has, I can't believe that we're still talk, talking about this, is spot reduction. Every, every email I see that you get is all. It, it, Why are we oh, talking about this still? How many times do I have to say this? Because, because you want to believe. Because if we lose all this stuff and then we got this one spot, we want to believe that we can do it. That we can take it yeah. off. Okay, here's the thing. We can lose overall body fat. You can, Of course, you can reduce your body fat percentage, but you cannot spot reduce fat. You can't say, well, I don't want to lose it in my top or my bottom. 
I was being G-rated there. I don't want to lose it in my top or my bottom, but I want it off the back of my arms. I want it off my stomach. I want it off my saddlebags. You cannot spot reduce fat on our problem areas or our, quote, trouble zones. Now, while it's true, I have released exercise DVDs that will say, like, no more trouble zones or six-week six-pack. And, you know, in the future, I'm releasing one called Killer Buns and Thighs. But the way that I approach the workout is to reduce overall body fat with the techniques that I use while simultaneously conditioning the muscle that we're targeting. So, for example, if you wanted to slim down your tummy, you the last thing you would do are crunches. The last thing that you would sit there and do are, are t- would be to isolate one muscle group where you're going to burn minimal calories and then condition that muscle. What you need to do is a workout that's going to be dynamic and metabolic. In other words, metabolic, burn more calories, a.k.a. burn more fat. When you burn calories, ultimately, you're burning fat. Fat is nothing other than stored energy. The way we reduce body fat is by creating an energy deficit. We eat less, we move more. So when we're going after belly fat, for example, or saddlebag fat or fat on the back of our arms, what we want to do is exercise in a way that we're working multiple muscle groups at the same time. Why? Because it burns more calories than isolating one muscle. And we want to incorporate techniques like high-intensity interval training for the exact same reason. Burns more calories or a technique like plyometrics, which is jump training, provided that your body is conditioned to do so because it burns more calories. And then simultaneously, you want to clean up the diet. You want to make sure that you're not eating a ton of processed foods because they mess up your metabolism with all the hormones and the chemicals and all the junk in them. And you want to make sure that not only are you eating high quality food, that you're being very mindful of the quantity of your food. Don't starve yourself. Bad idea. In fact, whenever you starve yourself, the last thing your body's going to do is drop weight, especially when you're trying to get rid of a problem area that's usually vanity pounds. So if you have maybe 5, 10, 15 pounds to lose, you really shouldn't have a calorie deficit of over 1,000 calories a day, or you're going to slow down your metabolism because your body goes, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I'm healthy the way that I am. I don't want to drop this extra fat. And when you have a massive calorie deficit, it will start signaling your hormones, which control your metabolism, to slow down. Your body will release more cortisol, which stores belly fat. Your body will signal your thyroid to slow down, which helps regulate body weight. All of these biochemical things will happen if you're 5, 10, 15 pounds overweight in your opinion, Mm. vanity pounds, and you have too high of a calorie deficit. So about no more than 1,000 calories a day. For, that, for those problem areas, high-intensity training with the techniques that I mentioned a, f- a few seconds ago. Yeah. Yeah. Quality diet. And that's how you get the weight off. And here's the thing. You might say, well, Jillian, I've gotten so, so thin everywhere else, but I still have fat here. I still have my muffin top. I still have, you know what? I still have cellulite on the back of my ass. And here's the reality of it. We as women in particular, we as human beings, store body fat based on our hormone balance. So, for example, men have body weight, body fat in their stomach, on their stomach, because they're testosterone dominant. You very rarely see a man with fat legs. You very mm. rarely, you know, you, you very rarely see a man. I've never seen a man with cellulite unless he's got a hormone imbalance. So men tend to carry their fat, their weight 
where their bellies are, on their belly. Women, we range the gamut. We can be pear, we can be apple, we can be a more balanced type of shape. Women that have more body weight on their lower body are more estrogen dominant. Women that have more of an apple shape are more testosterone dominant. So depending upon your hormone balance, your body is going to store fat in different parts of the body accordingly with your biochemistry. You cannot really manipulate that balance. It's extremely difficult. I, I, I've for years have tried to get that fat off of off of my rear, and to no avail. And I've gotten to the point where you know I've I've gotten gaunt looking. I, I look emaciated. I look too thin, and my butt is still fat because you're always going to have a certain percentage of body fat, always, if you're alive. Yeah, because you did that segment a couple weeks ago about fat. No, oh, healthy fat. fat. Healthy fat. Yes, exactly. So your body needs a certain amount of fat on it to be healthy. And so you might you might diet and go crazy and what have you, and you're still going to have that problem area. It's about minimizing the problem area, uh, practicing the techniques I told you, and then we get to a point of acceptance. At the end of the day, there is not one human being that's perfect. You could pick a Victoria's Secret supermodel, and I guarantee you, a girl's hiding something somewhere. <laughs> or she's got something about her that she doesn't like. Yeah. You know, we're we're all human. And by the way, if she is perfect, she's going to get old, ugly, and die just like the rest of us. So we all go there. We all go there. So there's there's got to come a point where you know you you practice these techniques within within a healthy fashion in your heart and in your head. Physically, uh, you go about it in a very responsible way. But it, ultimately, let it go. You know, if you if you do all these things and you've got a little thing you don't like, it's fine. You're you're still a beautiful person inside and out. You can't go crazy about this. You cannot obsess about this. It's not healthy, and it's not human. Yeah. It's not human to be perfect. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Perfect is boring. I hate perfect. Perfect sucks. Huh. What are are you? You're like a little hot dog. You're not an apple or a pear. You're like a little a little wiener. You. She's on fire. What is no, wrong? I'm just saying that. Call me a wiener. Well, it's just you don't have. What's wrong with no, you I today? I find it intriguing that you say I, you I have this I feel like I'm fat. under attack. I walked in and I said the Jillian Michaels and Janice show. I finally got to a place where I embraced Janice. I I I I I I, I treated her like like an equal today. So that gives me a chance and, to call you a little. Hot and now dog. you're calling me a wiener. It's just you. Know, I don't see pear or apple on you. You have a wonderful face. I'm just saying you look like a little hot dog. Go go. Go, 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 shawty, it's your birthday. We gon' party like it's your birthday. We gon' sip a party like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give a fuck cause it's that's your birthday. You can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. Mama, I got what you need if you need to fill a buzz. I'm in the having sex, I ain't in the making love. So come give me a hug if you're in the getting rough. There is a woman named Maria Rodale joining us. And I'm sure the Rodale name sounds very familiar to you, and that is because she is the CEO and chairman of Rodale Inc., uh, and that is, of course, the world's largest leading multimedia publisher of advice and information about health, wellness, and the environment, and, of course, the largest independent book publisher in the United States. Uh, They've got every magazine from Men's Health, Women's Health, Prevention, Runner's World, Organic Gardening, and so on. But to give you an idea of the legacy of the Rodale family... And what they have done for the world, and, and I do mean uh, I do mean this with no gross exaggeration, her grandfather 
actually founded the organic movement in America in 1942. And that's when he launched Organic Gardening Magazine, which is still in publication to this day. I happen to be a subscriber to it. Uh, he launched Prevention Magazine, which is our the nation's leading health magazine in 1950. Uh, her dad started the longest-running scientific study comparing chemical versus organic or agriculture in 1981, which is still going on today at the Rodale Institute. Uh, I mean, basically, this family, they're doing their part, and Maria is carrying that legacy forward. Now, I read Maria's book, The Organic Manifesto, and it actually changed the direction in which I approach health and wellness. It changed my mission statement. It was one of the most profound, inspirational, inspiring books I've read. And Maria, I am so happy to have you with us today. Well, thank you so much, and I'm honored and thrilled that that you felt that way about the book because you know every every writer hopes that somebody feels even something remotely like that when they read their work. So I appreciate that very much. Oh, well, it's going to be a love fest then today. So my <laughs> my first question to you is for the people that are like, what what is she talking about? I haven't read this book. I'm not going to get this. Mm-hmm. Can you tell everybody what the book is about? why you wrote it, what it means to you. Okay. Well, you know, I grew up in this family that supposed to, is supposed to know everything about organic, and I got to a point in my life where I realized there were things I didn't know, and I, w- I wasn't sure what the answer was. And um, I saw a lot of people were confused around me. So, you know, what is the difference between organic and local? And, yeah, which and, is something I'm going <laughs> to ask you to get into, all on my list of questions. And, uh, that people have, by the way, I, I put an email or a Facebook thing of asking for questions for you, and uh, overwhelming. And all yeah. of those topics are in there. So uh, forgive me for interrupting. I'm going to shut up now. Go, go, go. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I will answer it later. So, but, you know, I, I have found that the best way to really figure out the answers to these questions is to research it and, and write a book and or write something. And the more I got into researching and writing it, the more I started seeing that, um, that you know, this is a much bigger story than even I thought going into it and much more important to our future survival on the planet. So um, I just want, you know, I wanted to do it for myself and for my family and for um, all the people who are confused out there. And as a result, um, I hope I, I came up with some answers that provide clarity for people. So now I want to start out with you mentioned two things that I want to put to you right away. Uh, you say the planet. I think when mm-hmm. people, uh, they think of organics, immediately they go to this place of, oh, you're an elitist. Mm-hmm. Isn't, or it's like, why is it so expensive? Yes, uh, all yeah. of that stuff. And then I, I think they also think, is it truly necessary? Right. Um, and, and it's certainly, I think, when you're, when you're processing uh, the concept of your own health and wellness, I don't think many are taking it all the way to the degree that, that you did in your organic manifesto explaining how the non-organic practices are literally destroying our environment, creating dead zones in our oceans, and what have you. So can you tell me, let's, let's start off right now, why are organics so expensive and why has it become so elitist and is there a way around this? Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, well, first of all, organic is the real cost of real food. And it has a reputation of being elitist because the people who tend to buy it aren't actually the wealthiest people, but they're the most educated. Mm. And um, the reason that the educated people are choosing organic is because it takes education to understand 
the extent to which we're destroying our health and our planet through the use of these toxic chemicals. It's not just what you put in your mouth. It's what the, what the products are that are put onto the fields, where those products go, you know, into the water, downstream, into the Gulf, into the oceans. And the fact that it's not something you can even wash off. It's systemic in the plants, and it's systemic in our bodies. I mean, children today, pregnant mothers have these chemicals in their amniotic fluid. You actually made kind of a, a point even before before pregnancy of infertility. So, right, so right. this brings me to kind of my next question, which is, then what does non-organic mean? What are, what is conventional? Why is it called conventional farm? Because conventional sounds really safe. It's like oh, it's conventionally grown. Well, well, that sounds good to me. When in essence, it's well, like that's, the worst that's possible exactly thing. Why I don't use the word um, the c word. I, I call it chemical because <laughs> <laughs> because some marketing team somewhere uh, decided you know how can we make people feel safe with this truly you know kind of toxic and untested concept. Um, and so they came up with the, the word conventional. Um, and in, in fact, there's nothing uh, really conventional about it. Organic is, is much more you know, of a traditional way of farming. Although what I say in my book is we need um, modern, uh, modern techniques for organic farming. So um, um, what non-organic food, I mean, non-organic food is basically food that is grown using petroleum-based chemicals, genetically modified organisms, um, toxic waste from industry <laughs> is often actually put into fertilizers and pesticides as a kind of, um, you know, benign, quote-unquote, ingredient. Um, and they're neurotoxins. So actually what I, you know, I had I'd read about this before and, you know, in my book wanted to really answer the question for myself whether it was true or not, but the same companies that made the um, insecticides that, and the gases that killed the Jews in Auschwitz in Germany are the same companies that are making uh, insecticides and pesticides today that farmers are spraying on all food that is not labeled uh, certified organic. Yeah, how about that? I'm looking at Janice's face right now, and she's horrified. Yeah. Well, just, it, no, uh, this is this is the thing. The, people don't know. This yeah. is what they need to know. They yeah. need to understand, because here's what I hear. Oh, but the berries are, you know, the organic berries are, t- are $2 more. And, oh, but the nutrient content is no different. It's like, you, you don't get it. Whether right. they have the same amount of vitamin C or free radicals is irrelevant. What you're getting with conventional slash chemical grown produce is pesticide. You're getting poison. Poison. And so, Maria, can you can you please elaborate on some of some well, of the what, things know, these, this is doing to our body? Because I'm I've seen a fertility crisis in this country. Yeah. I've seen an explosion yeah. of cancer in this country. Yeah. I, I mean, and I I have a show coming up with an endocrinologist in in a couple of weeks, and you should see the questions: PCOS, thyroid, fertility mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. What the hell is going on? Yeah. Well, people have. You know, when I started, even, you know, again, when I started writing the book, I thought, oh, I have to, like, show that organic food is more nutritious than, than chemical food. And within a month, I was like, oh, my God, that is so not the issue. Not the point. That's not the, that's not the point. I have, in my, I have footnoted, you know, from scientific medical 
documents in my book the connection between agricultural chemicals and cancer is the obvious one. Right. Um, the pr- most proven one, like what causative as opposed to, you know, possibly causing, is childhood leukemia. Oh. Um, diabetes. Diabetes is an endocrine disease, yeah. and many of these chemicals are endocrine disruptors. Infertility, sterility, there's early, early research coming out from uh, Mount Sinai about the connection to autism and ADHD in children, so obesity. So all these things that we look around and say these are you know, chronic disease ec- epidemics in our society. Um, and you know, we're blaming kind of people for being lazy and right. whatever. You yeah. Know? yeah, and that <laughs> it could not be more. It's so funny because I, I, now I'm continuing to hear the message of calories in, calories out, less fat, <laughs> less sugar. And I'm thinking... Oh my God! This this is this is the least of our problems, and right. you know at it's least about- yeah. With that, people have choices. With this, they don't have the information, they don't have the knowledge, and in most cases, they don't have the access. Right, right, and it's it's really about the quality of the food and the the cleanliness of it. That you know, and and the fact that you can grow organic food, you can actually grow organic food much more affordably, easier, productively uh, than you can chemical food. So, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's it's just it's you know it's kind of mind-boggling that we've gotten ourselves in in this situation. Okay, Maria. Now that we've sufficiently terrified people, what can we do? We need an action plan. Okay, the first thing that you can do is start buying organic food. Um, you can. I can't afford it. Now what? No, you can afford it. You have to switch, shift your dollars, and and how you think about what you're buying. Um, if you buy things in bulk, buy things um, locally from local farmers, buy things that are um, unprocessed, you'd be amazed at how much you can buy for the same amount of money or less. And I've made, I have a four-year-old and I've made it a game with her. We, we can only buy things in the supermarket for her that have the little green USDA certified organic seal on it. So she runs around the store looking for that little green seal, and those are the things she can buy, and it makes it a lot easier. The second thing you can do, and this saves you money, okay. is eliminate the chemicals in your own yard and home. There's absolutely no reason to put chemicals on your lawn. In fact, those are the chemicals that cause childhood leukemia. There's no reason to put it on your garden, any of them. And you can also eliminate a lot of even cleaning supplies in your house that aren't really necessary and cost you a lot of money. So you can save money there so you can buy organic food in the supermarket. The last thing is, and this is free, is just demand organic wherever you go and demand affordable organic. So when you go to the supermarket, ask about it. When you go to a restaurant, ask for it. Go right. online. Let them and, let people know that there's there's a demand, so they will create a supply. Exactly, and every opportunity. You don't have to be aggressive about it, but every time you ask, you're raising awareness. You're you're putting it on the radar for people. And um, the you know I'm a I'm a business person by day. The more people want things, and the more they ask for them, the more we're going to make things for them. So it really creates this you know positive cycle of change when. You know, consumers, not just from businesses, but from politicians, you know, they're voters. Right. When we express 
our demands and our concerns and our desires, people will respond. The government will respond. Businesses will respond. Supermarkets and restaurants will respond. And the price will come down. Now, I have a question for you about growing your own because I I had done a uh, I put up a post about this a little while ago and people were just I can't do that I don't know how to do that and it's it's not that hard I've started doing it in my own backyard and I do not have a green thumb I couldn't keep a friggin (laughs) house plant alive to save my life and yet you know I've I've started I've got a little composter now which by the way for an ex-fat girl is heaven because basically you know I used to feel like I hated wasting food and now I can take the food that I don't eat or that goes bad in the refrigerator compost it in my little thing and and replenish make incredibly healthy soil and grow my own fruits and vegetables and then i have buddies that grow their own stuff and if you don't Mm -hmm. have place in your yard you could go to like uh, a local uh neighborhood garden Mm -hmm. a community garden and we trade Mm -hmm. so it's like if i'm growing spinach if i'm growing carrots if i'm growing uh, you know watermelon which I, i actually was very excited about recently. <laughs> so uh, you know, I traded across, uh-huh. and it's it's not that hard to do. So, what would be your advice to somebody who feels daunted by that? Well, I mean, I think the hardest thing is just getting over the initial fear and trepidation about it, because you know, it's it's really hard to screw up. I mean, and if you screw up, it's like you haven't really lost much. Um, the the most important thing is to um, build up the soil so that whatever you do whatever you plant, you know, grows better and it's easier to work with. And the number one way to do that, you already mentioned it, is to um, apply compost and to start compost. And really, you know, compost is just a way of using nature to um, process your waste. So, you know, food waste. So, right. you know, so you can rotten, take, yeah. rotten vegetables, rotten fruit, coffee grounds, eggshells, um, weeds from your garden. Yard you waste. Know, lawn um Grass clippings, if you you know, if um, as, if as long as you haven't put chemicals on it, right? And, of course, <laughs> of course, exactly. And um, I mean, I even put like you know clamshells on it and stuff like that. I mean, you you could put a lot of things, and um, we apply that. You know, create an area in your yard. You don't even have to eliminate the grass. You can layer up stuff on top of the grass. That's called raised beds, where you you know lay down some newspaper lay down some um <clears throat> some straw or you know grass clippings and then put compost on top and you know start planting in there and over time that newspaper will kill the grass underneath it and the plants will grow in there and um and you'll 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 be amazed at what you can grow and what's what I love about it is that the food tastes so much better and my family, my kids, you know, just love it. I mean, they love working in it. They love pulling weeds. They love eating stuff. And it's really easy. Where can people, what is on the Rodale Institute? Tell me a little bit about this, because I know that this is a wealth of information uh, for people and a resource. Right. How well, the can Rod- they find it? What's there? Um, the Rodale Institute, you go to rodaleinstitute.org. Um, is a nonprofit that is really um, about helping farmers and h- homeowners uh, learn how to transition to organic growing and farming. Um, and it's it's a, you know we do scientific research and um, also connect people with the information that they need and 
um, the resources that they need. You can also go to organicgardening.com, which is much more aimed to the homeowner who just wants to start a vegetable garden or a flower garden. Um, and there's tons of, tons of information on both those sites. Um, you can also go to my blog, which is Maria, mariasfarmcountrykitchen.com. One of my most um, popular blogs was about how to kill weeds with just boiling water and a teapot. <laughs> Now, that one I didn't know. That's fantastic. Because, see, people do need an answer. Because even when I was growing stuff, I had slugs. Yeah. And then, you know, my friend was like, okay, no, you need to put beer out. Yeah. And they all, it was kind of sad. They all drowned in there. But I, I figured at least the they felt no pain. Yeah, I was like, woo, yeah. It had to be a good way to go. I'd like to drown in beer. So I think you need you need those resources. So that's, that's fantastic. Because it's all about getting informed and getting educated. Mm-hmm. And then you can take powerful action, deliberate steps to make these changes accessible and effective in your life. Right. And what, what I always love about gardening and what I, I see in, in gardeners is that when you get out there and start doing it, you learn so much about nature. And you, it really builds kind of a faith in, in, in what nature can do and, and in yourself and what you can do. So it's a very inspiring and empowering activity and, and um it brings a lot of joy to people all over the world, as well as food. I cannot thank you enough. Oh, um, I, I can't imagine that there is a, another family in the world that has done as much Aww. for the organic movement, um, the health and wellness of people and the planet. So uh, myself, I am extremely grateful for that. Thank you for all you do and all your family has done. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. It's oh, been I, an honor. Okay, Janice, do we have time for some calls? Shelly's on the line. Hey, Shelly. Jillian, hello. It's so nice to speak with you. Oh, thank you. Likewise. What's going on? Well, I was interested in talking to you about how people around me react to my workout habits and my eating habits. Okay. Specifically, you mean what? You're working, what well, working out and eating habits? Specifically, just... Um, for example, my husband, Okay. he doesn't work out. He's very unhealthy. Okay. Um, he's always making fun of me, you know, telling me, you're obsessed and you're too skinny and, uh. you know, things like that. And, and it's, but I know, you know, in my heart, I'm not obsessed and I know I'm not too skinny. I'm at a healthy weight. Tell me your height and weight. Uh, I'm five, seven and a half and I hover between about 150 and 155. You're right. That's healthy. You're absolutely and, right. I work out about five days a week. I always make sure I have a day or two off. That's healthy. How long are you working out for? Uh, it depends on whether I'm doing one of your 30-day uh, shreds or if I'm doing a bob. Or okay. It's usually anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour. For five days a week? That's yeah. not unhealthy at all. I didn't think it was either. Okay. But I, what I'm starting to think is that it's people who don't have the willpower to do what I do or don't have the drive or whatever you want to call it, I think it's kind of a defense mechanism for them. Well, okay. So you're right in, in presuming that there's nothing wrong with you. So there, there are two things that we need to look at here. Um, number one, your, is your husband the only one that behaves this way or are there others that behave this way towards you? Because you said husband, family members. Well, I have a close friend um, that we've been friends for about 10 years now. Okay. And uh, I had gone down the, to Florida to visit her for about a month. 
and I brought all my DVDs with me. Okay. And boy, I never heard the end of it. And then she was always trying to sabotage me and say, hey, let's go out to, you know, to eat at a burger joint. And I'm like, but, you know, I, don't, I really don't want to do that. Are you a person who's lost weight or are you a person who's always been in shape? I was in shape until I had a knee injury. Okay. And then I gained about 45 pounds. Got it. And your then, husband was around for that time. Yes. He was around for that, and then, you know, he supported me during that weight loss. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then I had our second child uh, two years ago, okay. and I gained 50 pounds with her. Gotcha. And now I've gotten back to my pre-baby weight, and I'm just trying to maintain it. Got it. Okay. All right. So when you first met, though, you were fit? Yes. Was he fit? Yes. We it, were both in the Army. And is he fit now? No. There you go. All right. So here's what you're looking at with the husband. He, uh, you guys were both fit and you were on the same page. Now, right. you know, you you lost weight. You got healthy again. You're fit again. He is not fit. I'm sure that he is probably feeling concerned that you will outgrow him. That you are, uh, you know, moving on, living your life on a different page, getting healthy. He's not healthy. So the status quo and the balance in the relationship has been destabilized because when you first met, you were both fit. Then you were both unfit. Now he's unfit and you're fit. So you guys have become disjointed in this way. And I am pretty positive. Again, I, I hate to always, you know, I haven't met the man. I haven't heard what he said. But looking at every other situation I've experienced under this pretense, it's because he on some level is feeling insecure and like you might outgrow the relationship. And so it's like you're obsessed, you know, these subtle comments to to stop, to to not do this, you know. What needs to happen is a conversation where you confront him gently. I stress gently. The way that we communicate is going to have a dramatic impact on the way our life manifests. So... Let's say you turned around and you said, you're a slob, you don't do anything, you know, you attack me, and you're the one who doesn't have it together. That's called a you statement. Real dangerous stuff, okay? Okay. (laughs) Because then he's immediately going to go on the defensive, everything that he's concerned about has just come true, and he's going to feel insecure and defensive, and you guys aren't going to get anywhere. But... Okay. If you turn around and you can put yourself in this guy's position, I want you to think about what he must be feeling right now. So it's 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 an empathic technique where you're going to be him. You're him. And your wife is like, I'm in my pre-baby weight shape. I feel good. I look good. I'm working out. And you're not. How do you feel right now? Right. D- tell me. Uh, I would feel self-conscious. Yep. Possibly. Yep. Um, you know, no... No self-esteem. Yep. I would feel weak. Yep. Now, what would you want to hear in that position? Uh, I would I would want him to try to involve me in his, which I do. I try to involve him. And, you know, I try to motivate him into working out with me. But Depends I don't on, know if I'm going. He needs to express his needs to you. That's the thing. Yeah. What you need and what he needs are different. But what you can say is what you'd probably want to hear is affirmation, validation. So one of the things you should do is you should say, babe, you know, when he says to you, like, you're obsessed, you're this, you're that. I would use that as your entrance. 
Okay. And I would say, honey, when you say that, it makes me feel blank or I feel blank when you make these comments. You know, like it makes me feel unsure. It makes me feel like you're not understanding what I need. Like you're not supportive of me calmly. And I would be like, babe, I love you. I love you no matter, you know, do I want you to be healthy? Yeah, it sounds like you have kids. I feel like I hear kids in the background. Yes, yeah, so, I just had to run from my two-year-old. That's okay. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just had to run from my two-year-old. <laughs> Shelly, that is the funniest yeah. visual I have ever I just had to run from my two-year-old. That's priceless. Okay. So, you know, it, it becomes a conversation of, honey, you know, I love you. You're my man. Oh, and she found you, I see. She did. I'm sorry. No, no, that's great, buddy. That's totally cool. Everything's good. Uh, So the conversation is like, I love you. You know, when you make these comments, I feel this way. Um, I love you. You're my man. I adore you no matter, you know, matter where you're at. What I, do I want to see you healthy? Yeah. You know, we have a two year old and however many other little people are either there or on the way. Um, So sure. Do I want you to be healthy? Yes. And, but I'm not going to push you. All I'm asking for you is be supportive of me. I need you to be supportive because this is not unhealthy behavior, honey, and I know you know it. Now, I love you. How can I support you? If it's leaving you alone and just loving you, I'll leave you alone and just love you and let him. He'll arrive at it at his own time. Trust me. So, but if it's, but if it's walking with you, I'll walk with you. If it's working out with you, I'll work out with you. So you tell me what you need because I want to give you what you need. But here's what I need. So I just need you to, instead of becoming disgusted with him and feeling Mm -hmm. attacked and getting mad about it, I want you to put yourself in his shoes and appreciate that he's feeling insecure and he's feeling less than and he's feeling a little bit emasculated by it. And it's no one's fault. It's just going to require a little empathy. And that's the number one technique you need when you're trying to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Come to a meeting of the minds. You need to listen or feel what the other person is feeling. You need to think with their thoughts. You need to feel with their heart. You need to be in their shoes. Because okay. all you're bringing to the table is you. And right now you're pissed. And you're like, he's right. not supportive. He's lit. you know. But if you go, okay, I get it. He's feeling overwhelmed. He's feeling insecure. Let me validate that part of him. And then let me calmly express my needs and empower him to be the husband I want him to be. And that should really make a difference. And then you stand in your truth. You're doing the right thing. You're not unhealthy. In fact, quite the opposite. You're very healthy. And that little girl needs you to be healthy. And then if down the road, his health or his lack of health starts to become a bigger issue, then it is a different conversation. But right now, it doesn't sound like it's gotten that far out of control. So let's start here. Well, you know, and I think listening to everything that you just said, I know that maybe I've kind of tried to approach him in in the wrong way, trying to to get him to kind of come around to my way of of seeing things and and being healthy. Because he he is you know he takes blood pressure meds, he takes cholesterol drugs, and he has since we've been married. And he's gained thirty pounds in the last two years. Okay. And so all of that really, it concerns me, but I guess I just didn't know how to approach it. With so honesty. So I'm him, work out, work out, work out, you know, I don't want you to die. But then he's turning around, you know, with, you know, feeling bad about that. Yep. And then he's 
coming back at me saying, well, you're obsessed with working out. And, right. He's you know, defensive. When we're in the store he's and defensive. I'm to buy, he's like, almond butter. What the hell is that? You know, I mean, he just <laughs> <Yeah>. always. <laughs> he's defensive, buddy. You got you to gotta right. take him off the defensive. And okay. so I think what you do, I would actually back off. That would be my first tactic in this scenario is to say, I love you. Am I worried okay. about your health? Yes. But, you know, we've got a two-year-old, but I'm not going to pester you anymore. What do you need? How can I be there for you right now? I love you. I love you no matter what. I need for you to be supportive of me in this endeavor. And if you need me to stop pestering you right now, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you that I'm worried that we have a two-year-old and I want you around for years to come. But I'm going to back off and back off. Give him a beat. Empower him. Empower him. Validate him. That's the best advice you could have given me because I think I was pestering him, pushing him further in the opposite direction. Because you're feeling scared. You're feeling scared. And that's okay. But that's why at times when we're trying to come to, you know, a peaceful place, a negotiation of sorts, because that's what this is, we have to sometimes put ourselves in the other person's shoes to arrive at that middle place. And I think when you lead by example, and you affirm and validate him, and then you ask him what he needs and give it to him, give him a chance. He'll come around. I guarantee it. I have a good feeling about it. I'm usually not wrong. That's and if I am wrong, right. write me, call me back in a, in a month and let me know, and we'll reapproach. Okay. Well, that's the best advice I've had yet because I've talked to everyone that I trust about it, and that's the best advice I've gotten yet, to be honest. So. Oh, well... Thank you. I was going to say, I have Jillian Michaels, for God's sake. But then I realized I realized that that doesn't really mean much. So. Oh, hell, Jillian. Then I was like, that's actually not very impressive. So, uh, no, I, I am so glad. I hope it helps. And in all seriousness, uh, idiocy on my part aside, call me back in a month and let me know how this is going for you. And we'll, we'll if we need to take a different tack, we will. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Okay, bye. bye. We got to say goodbye now. Oh. You got to say you got to end the show now. Okay. Say bye-bye. I'm not going to say it like that. <laughs> okay, say peace. 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 <laughs>like listening to comedy try watching it on the internet the folks behind the sideshow network have launched a new youtube channel called wait for it it's got interviews with comedians like reggie watts todd glass liza schleichinger slicing driving friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and i still have a hard time with the last name liza our very own owen benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more you don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. <laughs>